0: So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Hey, everyone. Jeremy Scheinwald here with another episode of Smart People Should Build Things, the Venture for America podcast. Today, our guest is Thomas Kelly. While a part-time MBA student at NYU Stern and also working in a corporate gig, Thomas saw the food truck movement gaining steam out west and brought it to New York City via Mexico. While he paid his dues with the truck... He kept iterated, iterating the concept of Mexican barbecue, flavorful tastes with better ingredients and slow cooking methods. Thomas opened a second location in Chelsea around the corner from my office. It was a quicker serve version. I, I hasten to use the word quick quick serve because Thomas corrected my usage of these terms on the show, and I'm reluctant to commit to terminology for that reason. You'll have to listen to the show to learn more about the differences between, say, quick serve, fast, casual, and more. Now, Mexico has iterated again. Two more New York City locations have full kitchens and bars. Mexico is seeking to open two more locations per year and already has ambitions beyond New York City. I can tell you the story, or Thomas can't. Let's let him do the work. A word about our podcast first. This podcast is produced by Catch Your Breath. Venture for America, a fellowship program for enterprising recent college graduates who launch their careers as entrepreneurs and thus help revitalize American cities. After five weeks of training, the VFA fellows spend two years in the trenches of a startup in an emerging U.S. city where they learn how to contribute to high-growth businesses. Afterwards, VFA provides the mentorship, network, and resources fellows need to become entrepreneurs. To learn more about Venture for America and to support our work, you can visit VentureForAmerica.org. A little about me, I launched the Mission Driven Group many moons ago. Check out my firm at themissiondrivengroup.com And please remember to like our show on iTunes and to subscribe as well and to follow me on Twitter at Jeremy Scheinwald. And a quick word about our sponsors. Support for Smart People Should Build Things is brought to you by Wix.com. A great web presence is essential to running a successful business. If you have a new idea or just need to upgrade your website, check out Wix.com. Wix has something for everyone with hundreds of designer-made, customizable templates to choose from. Not a coder, not a problem. You don't need to be a programmer or designer to create something beautiful. You can do it yourself with Wix.com. Used by more than 77 million people worldwide, Wix.com makes it easy to get your website live today. You can go to Wix.com and sign up for an entirely free account today. No credit card required. It's easy, and the result is stunning. Go to WIX.com today.
1: Welcome to Smart People Should Build Things, the Venture for America podcast.
0: Building things can be really hard, and entrepreneurship is often portrayed in the media as the sexy or even worse, easy career path. Through this series, we plan to pull back the curtain and tell the gritty stories of entrepreneurship. We're striving to create a relaxed environment where entrepreneurs feel free to tell their stories.
1: This is Smart People Should Build Things, the Venture for America podcast.
0: Thomas, thanks so much for being here. Thank you for having me. So the story um, that you tell is that um, you kind of saw the food truck business taking off in LA, and said to yourself, "Like, let's do this in New York." Um, when you launched, was was it let's let's just see if this can work here and like let the chips fall where they may, or was it? Like, hey, you know, I think you were in business school when at lunch. Was it like, hey, here's our our two, five, ten year plan for global domination?
1: No, it wasn't quite a two, five and ten year plan for global domination. I mean, there was definitely there's always that, you know, idea in the back of your mind that you're you know, hoping you can expand and be successful in whatever you're doing. But um, no, we were, uh, you know, watching the truck that summer of 2010 when food trucks of that kind of caliber were very popular in california and hadn't quite hit new york and so we sort of saw that trend happening and launched and just figured let's focus on getting one really great food truck out there see what happens grow it from there
0: and and you and your founder um your co-founder mm-hmm. didn't have training as as formal training as chefs you know, i understand that you were a pretty advanced like a, a pretty advanced amateur chef uh yeah, that's a
1: that's a fairly or, accurate way to describe it. Or am I insulting you by calling you an amateur at that oh, point no. if I say advanced? Was and still am an amateur chef, <laughs> um, but uh, very very passionate about food for a long time, and spent you know a fair amount of time in kitchens, so sort of knew my way around the you know the the ins and outs of the back of the house of restaurants. Um, but certainly none, neither of us had any you know operational experience, real operational experience in running a restaurant or a food truck for that matter.
0: So so, how do you how do you say okay, we're going to run a food truck? We see this big 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 craze coming. We're going to run a food truck. Yep. Um, we don't have experience as chefs. Like, I'm, I'm assuming that some foods are way more profitable than others. And like, how do you how do you mix kind of the okay, we're going to determine a food that we think is going to work and a business that we think is going to be profitable. How do you meld those those two things together?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think we we kind of you know attacked the two pieces on on two different fronts and, and spent a lot of time early on on the concept and you know, the culinary concept and, and the branding that was attached to it and, and thinking about, you know, what we thought would resonate with people and um, and based on, you know, the food that I was kind of cooking at home and, and wanted to do in this sort of form of a food truck, um, what would be, you know, what would work and what would be compelling? And then married that with, you know, we both came from kind of a corporate background in sales and marketing, and so um, we, you know, spent a lot of time on, thinking about sales and marketing, and we're able to, you know, sort of put together a business plan that allowed us not to completely, you know, ignore that side of things. Um, but it was a lot of kind of learning on the go once we got out there.
0: And and you, so you were doing your, your MBA at Stern part-time at the time? Yeah, that's right. Um, MBA, a, a bonus, critical to, to the food business? How do you feel about it?
1: Ah, uh, bonus. Bonus? Yeah, I mean, it was, you know, it, it provided a ton of really useful tools and, and a great network that you know, I've used over the last five, six years. Um, not critical, but very useful bonus.
0: I, I always say that, that, that people think that money is the biggest problem in starting a business, um, but that for a lot of of younger entrepreneurs how how old were you when you started when you started Mexico?
1: Oh man! Uh, so let's see. Uh, I, there, was, I, I oh, promised there'd be no um, math. Yeah, know. no, exactly. Uh, yeah. I'm turning 38 tomorrow, so I was about 32.
0: Okay, so 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 not, you know, on for for entrepreneurship. Still, yeah. we can still apply youngish to you. Youngish. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Emphasis you know. on the ish. <laughs> um, but it, you know, it, it can actually be like, it's 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 not all money when you're when you're youngish. Like it can be. Um, you know, entrepreneurs need, a, entrepreneurs need a support network, and um, you know, I'm just curious. Like, you know, there's a good, really solid Times article about your your co-founder. Yeah, um, how his, his his mother cried, and those weren't tears of joy when yep. she uh, found out that he wanted to start leave a, a corporate job and yep. and do some uh, and and open a food truck. Yeah. Um, what was what was the reaction of those around you? And and yeah. did you feel like you had like everyone was like go for it? Were there people like holding you back? I don't know. Holding you back? Are the people saying?
1: Yeah, be no, careful. There is there is a ton of support, of course, but you know when you go to your parents, and my parents had the a similar to reaction to that of my my co founders, and you know you tell them you're leaving your pretty good paying corporate job, and starting you know not just a restaurant but a food truck, you know there's a understandable kind of <laughs> negative. Reaction or a concern, I would say. I think you know there was some like furrowing of the brow that you know both my parents did, right? Um, And you know part of that is because not only are you getting into food, which is which is uh, you know riskier than you know a lot of other potential you know startups. um, And startups are risky to begin with, but. I think there was a sort of the stigma around food trucks, right? I mean, part of the reason it really worked is because people weren't out, outside of maybe L.A. and even in L.A., you know, these sort of well-branded, well-run, um, business-oriented food trucks with great food hadn't really made their way across America. So everyone still thought of them as, like, road coaches or whatever.
0: Right. Uh, between between starting, like, between determining you're going to start this business yep. and actually having the, the truck rolling, how what needed to happen, like, operationally in a, in a truck, and, and how long did it take?
1: Yeah, well, the uh, the biggest challenge was, um, you know, we, we drove up to Woodstock, my partner, and uh, bought a truck off of eBay, got the truck. um that wasn't too challenging. the The biggest challenge of the food truck was sort of like navigating the like permitting and licensing process, um, which just got harder and harder as time went on. But um, you know, the city doesn't release any any permits for these for these food trucks. It's two year permits, and they're very hard to come by. So you have to get kind of very crafty in the way you know you <laughs> acquire these permits, which um, aren't out there on the market, sold by the city um so you have to really sort of navigate the back ends of the street food world and kudos to my my partner at the time he was you know had no problem sort of getting out there and figuring out how to acquire one
0: so and you're 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 hinting at this craftiness i got to push you on that one. Right. what what is the what what does it take to get a food permit in new york i mean you
1: you know you have to you have to just get out there and talk to the guys who are holding them who um you know who maybe um you know selling Falafel um with a commissary and the you know, in some pretty out there parts of the outer boroughs, and you know you're paying for these things in cash. um, so you're handing someone you don't know very well, you right. know, a substantial <laughs> sum of money in the hopes that they're going to return with an actual permit.
0: Got it. I think, so, I think I think we I think we've said enough on this topic. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so so you, you and so how long did it take you like to get you know your design yeah, so, right so and from your kitchen so, in there? Yeah.
1: From um, so we sat down and and sort of talked for the first time in January I think of 2010. We had the truck out there rolling by uh, July. Oh well. That's, so that's it was great. fast. Um, you know, we were both pretty eager and and spent a lot of time on just making it happen.
0: And I guess I, mean, I guess there's a lot of pressure to, to get it out there for the summer. I'm assuming it's 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 somewhat seasonal.
1: It is absolutely. So yeah, we were pushing really hard to get right. it out there that summer.
0: Right. Got it. And 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 it's a raging success, right? So you start with, uh, uh, you know. Um, you start I think you started a, a, am I right a day in Brooklyn and then and then moved into Midtown and just had like lines like crazy. Yeah um, we did kind of a dry run
1: in Brooklyn on a Saturday morning in Park Slope you know and sort <laughs> of and uh, and that went pretty well um, we thought and then you know said okay well, we're ready for Monday and we sort of naively pulled up on you know 5th right in the 50s, like kind of right in the belly of the beast and opened up the doors and had no idea kind of what to expect. I mean, our expectation was that we might serve, you know, a handful of people throughout the day. And, you know, within a few minutes there was a line down the block and we were of course totally unprepared and running around midtown, like trying to find more avocados and whatnot, so. What, what,
0: what's So what's a, what's a busy day in terms of number? Like is it, can you serve 250 people out of a food truck or 500 yeah, uh, people? No, a couple hundred.
1: Um, Yeah, for us at the time we were, so we're actually no longer operating the food trucks. We've sort of now just been focusing on brick and mortar for the last year and change. Um, But yeah, at the time we could do, you know, and it's, it's usually, it's very lunch oriented in, at least in the parts of town where we are operating in midtown. Um, So you're really kind of cranking through a couple hundred people between an hour and a half or two hours. Right. Heavy, heavy volume for a couple hours.
0: And the New York Times reported. I think they said you were making I don't know if that's profit or, or revenue, but you know, two to three grand a day. And and when you when you when you strike like that, like is can, is it? Can you stay objective? Or are you like wait a second? You know, this is okay. This is this is beginner's luck, or is it like boom? We're on something. This is you know, truck mania. Let's roll out the next fifty.
1: Um, for us, it wasn't quite truck mania. Let's roll out the right the, the, you know the next fifty. It was it was more of like a probably a pretty typical entrepreneurial situation where you know you're sort of so crazy and just dealing with like keeping the business afloat even if you're lucky enough to, to be you know doing great from a top line revenue perspective um, but you're just sort of in the you know day-to-day grit of you know keeping the thing going and growing and so i think we were just focused really from day 1 on you know how we grow it but it wasn't cuz we were you know starry-eyed from success and thinking okay we got to get 500 of these across the country
0: so you know, your time about the day-to-day grit let's let's talk about that I'm, I'm assuming you're you know as they say chief cook and bottle washer you're you're right. you're out there <coughs> chopping vegetables in the morning and handing them off and i mean you're in that you're you're in the truck right
1: well so we actually from from day one we we really tried to surround ourselves partly because neither one of us came from a very serious restaurant background so, you know, we wanted to sort of focus on the things that we were really good at and um, surround ourselves by people who were you know, really great um, in other areas. So I was, you know, very much involved in actually like preparing the food sort of, you know, at the time I was actually for the first month still working a day job. And so I was working this day job and then I would cook like, you know, all night and then truck Got the truck loaded and ready to go, and then the guys would take the truck out. Um, so yes, the answer is yes. Like very much involved in the the you know gritty kind of cutting of the onions overnight, um, smoking brisket. You know, were your coworkers
0: at your job like, what is this? What is, Why is there this? this like guy smell like cilantro? <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> so I mean, you know, you you talked about. Um, you talked about sort of like how it was a little bit of the wild west when when you started, and that things yeah. changed. And um, I mean, like, how hard is it to operate a, a food truck in New York? You know, I, I mean, how competitive was it? How what what is the the bureaucracy yeah. involved, and how, and in you know navigating that and the changes, et cetera?
1: Yeah, you know, it was really hard from day one, um, early on, before there were a billion trucks out on the street. Uh, just because you're dealing with so many factors, which make it difficult to be out there potentially selling, um, everything from you know weather to you know uh, challenges and specifics around parking and police, understandably, booting you out of specific spots and other restaurants asking that you move the truck. Sort of a long list of things that potentially pre- prevent you from actually getting out there and selling. Then it just got harder and harder and harder as more and more trucks hit the streets, and the city started to kind of crack down on the regulation, and went from having, you know, kind of very little regulation around these food trucks to, uh, you know, arguably too much, or you know, kind of trying to figure out a quick way to react to all these trucks that were out in the streets, making it really really hard.
0: And so you ultimately decided. You mentioned this already. You ultimately decided to, to, to you know, leave the truck business behind to move into bricks and mortar locations. I think you still use the trucks for, for special occasions. Um, but, you know, how hard was it to, to acknowledge that you needed to change your strategy at that point? Well, we,
1: you know, as I said, from kind of early on, we, we were pretty open minded to the possibility of, of going the brick and mortar route. So we thought that was a pretty likely scenario. That we would start off with trucks and um, and then move on to brick and mortar at some point once the kind of the concept was proven, Um, and so it was actually like a pretty you know once we were ready to do that, which was pretty quickly, it was it was a pretty like easy decision to digest.
0: I'm curious. I read again. I think there were a couple great articles on, yeah. on Mexico. Um I read about how like the the restaurant tours in the area sometimes came by and were like shaking the truck and you know trying to trying to intimidate and get you out of there um, because you were because uh, you know I mean it, it, I, I do have a little sympathy for them. You know you're parked right in front of the restaurant. I'm curious if if, if the tables have turned now. Occasionally you're like, Damn, get that truck out from in front of my restaurant. No,
1: actually not at all. To be honest, yeah. I think the you know the common misconception is that these trucks are out there you know, making money hand over fist, and that it's, you know, a much easier operation and a lot easier to make money is not, it's really not, right. we found it, you know, a lot easier to kind of execute and, and have a, a reliable source of, of revenue and control our costs with a brick and mortar, as opposed to a truck. So. Um,
0: the tables really haven't turned at all. <laughs> so so you feel you just feel sympathy for them at this point. Pretty much. Sure. Okay, that's the last food truck question. I wanna I wanna move on to physical the physical sure. location. So um um you know you so you launch this so the, the first one the first location I think is around the corner of my office on is it twenty eighth and seventh?
1: Uh, yeah, it's seventh between 29th and thirtieth.
0: Okay, okay. Um and I've eaten there on, on several occasions, it's great. Um Thank you. and uh and you know, I'm curious, like, what, what changes for you when you move to a physical physical location?
1: Yeah, so when we opened up that first location, we did sort of a very small... Um, oh, we were actually approached by a couple local uh, restaurant operators, um, angel investors, and they kind of came on and helped us open up that first restaurant. So we, you know, we were opening up that first one with, a, with you know, uh, an investor and sort of strategic that had... A little bit of experience and could kind of help guide us in the right direction. Um, that made it a lot easier.
0: And then, I mean, what changes in just in terms of your your day-to-day? I, I assume this is managing more people. It's even designing, I don't know, maybe you had your logo design then, but, you know, ordering plates. I mean, there's, I assume there's like way more, just way more, w- there are way more details to manage when you've got a physical location, I would assume.
1: Yeah, there were. And at that point, we also started doing uh, pop-up restaurants and the, you know, Madison Square Eats and that sort of thing. I love Madison Square Eats. Yeah, it's great. It's really cool. So many, so much good food and great vendors. And so, you know, at that point we really started to become kind of a, a multi-unit, but you know, with different forms of units in, in the forms of food trucks and pop-up restaurants and then one brick and mortar. So there were sort of a whole set of kind of corporate challenges that we had to tackle and everything from branding, as you mentioned, and kind of upgrading the branding to, um, uh, you know, marketing challenges to I mean, operational, most importantly, for sure, and how you kind of, you know, keep all of the operations going and keep an eye on all these, you know, on all these different units that are open.
0: And, and we talked already about the permits and stuff like that for, for trucks. Like, I'm, I'm sort of fascinated by the bureaucracy around these things. Like, how yeah. hard is it to open a restaurant in New York, the, the permitting and health and, and, all, and all that type of stuff?
1: Yeah, so it's challenging. We've worked with a great firm called BCD, and Andrew Mugger is the CEO over there. And um, they've been, you know, really helpful in kind of, like, getting us through that process. Um, the health department is a whole nother ball of wax. You know, you just have to be constantly on it and have, you know, really good kind of operational procedures. And, um, you know, I think like anything else, you just sort of have to, you have to just be kind of constantly monitoring it and on top of it.
0: And you had this amazing experience with the food truck where, the, like, the line started forming. When you opened your doors on, on 7th Avenue, did you have the same phenomena? Or was it open the door and... <sighs> No, I mean, thankfully, we've been super fortunate. And, uh, you know, there was
1: definitely some sleepless nights leading up to the opening of the restaurant because we've had this great sort of successful food truck and we're, you know, pretty, you know, we were excited about moving into brick and mortar, but naturally we were unsure about whether the concept would translate. And we had a totally successful launch and, you know, had kind of lines out the door from day one. And, um, you know, we feel very fortunate. And I think we, we did a lot of work and sort of, Translating the menu and in the concept to work in a brick and mortar, Um, but yeah, it was uh, it it seemed to translate well.
0: Can you share a story or two? Like restaurants can can be so unpredictable. Like uh, you know, is there just a you know the day the I don't know chef fell ill and you found yourself behind you know chopping vegetables again or whatever might happen I gotta I assume you, you've got a, a wealth of, of stories around uh, no where.
1: for sure I mean it's funny because we uh, so we definitely have you know a fair share of stories of you know equipment breaking down and then you know you get incredibly creative and you know we're you know coming up with some alternative source of cold or heat or whatever else and so that happened frequently um, but coming from the truck, where, you know, those stories, I mean, you have a kitchen on wheels, right. I mean, every week there was something, every week there was something, and you're, you know, you're reliant on two or three employees, so there was always someone not showing up, you're jumping in in some capacity, so, you know, that was, you know, coming from the truck and the kind of variability involved in the truck, opening up the restaurant, operating the restaurant was much more kind of dependable, and
0: fewer stories, thankfully. I imagine with a restaurant like this, like re- employee retention is a big deal. You know, not having to go out there. If you retain well, not going to go yeah. out there and constantly deal with the churn. How do you how do you manage that? Is there do you have any special uh, approach to, to making sure your employees are happy?
1: Uh, no, I mean, we've, we've always, uh, you know, spent a lot of time on thinking about culture and, um, you know, it kind of boils down to just making sure that people are kind of felt like they're being heard and they're happy kind of checking in with them. You know, it's not and there's a lot we think about in terms of culture and there's a lot we try to do to compensate people but um, it it really kind of boils down to that you know so as the you know the the founders the, the the leaders were you know kind of always making an effort to make sure especially as we've grown now have three restaurants with you know over 100 employees making a constant effort to make sure that you have, you know, FaceTime with all of those employees and, you know, you're stopping by each restaurant every week and kind of wandering into the back of the kitchen and checking in with the dishwasher, dishwashers and, um, you know, that's really, really key.
0: And I mean, you mentioned that you're now at, at, at three restaurants. Yeah. Um, what did you need to see from the first restaurant that, uh, before you could open the second? Yeah, well, the lines at the
1: door was helpful. Um, so, you know, thankfully that continued. And from a top line perspective, we, you know, continue to hit good sales numbers. Um, I think for us, you know, because we, we didn't come from, as, as, as I mentioned before, you know, we did not come from a restaurant background or a food truck background for that matter. Uh, we need to kind of figure out operations. And so we, you know, we had to really focus on, you know, now that we've got this sort of successful food truck out in, out in the streets and we've got this, um, you know, pretty successful brick and mortar up, um, how we actually, like, kind of tighten up the operation, control our costs and create some sort of, like, procedures that allow us to operate every day without enormous headaches and make a little bit of money.
0: And so when you open a second restaurant, like, I, I, always, I, I always think about this when I, when I see anything that's a chain, like... The second restaurant, like you have, you have your risk, is, is significant. That if it goes wrong, it sinks the whole ship. And like, right. well, it's not the same if you have twenty locations. You open up one, and it's in the wrong location, and, and it's, sure. it's okay. So, I mean, how, you know, how how did you determine that? Like, you know, you want you open up at where a Broadway and it's actually on fortieth between Broadway and Sixth. Fortieth, fortieth between Broadway and Sixth. Okay, um, you know, how do you determine like that's the spot for you? How much research did you do on that space, or was it a gut thing? Like, how do you know?
1: Well, so the, the truck actually, it was pretty useful in that capacity because we had, you know, and it wasn't, I don't want to overemphasize how scientific we were about using the truck to sort of scout locations, but, um, but it was useful. We had spent a lot of time right up around that area. Um, the truck was for a long time right on the south side of, of Bryant Park, and um, that was one of our best spots. And so, you know, we did have a little bit of kind of market research in, in the form of this food truck that's guided some of the, you know, sort of real estate decisions Um, and helped, you know, increase our confidence that that would be a good spot for us.
0: So when you open your second location, um, if I have my timing right, uh, Sandy Beal, the founder of Ruby Tuesday, um, which is like uh, you know for, for those who maybe don't know about it it's a you know national fast casual chain um, casual dining yes sorry casual dining yeah. chain right got it okay yeah. my, my restaurant terminology yeah um, uh, is off but uh, so he I mean, he came on board as an investor like tell me about that like how does what what interest someone who's who's, who's founded a, a you know a national chain have with like a single store or restaurant how do you get in front of a guy like that and 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 how did you make sure that he, he was that he was interested.
1: Yeah. So uh, we were incredibly fortunate to connect with Sandy and um, we connected with him through sort of through a network after fundraising for, you know, several months. And um, there is, uh, you know, sort of a variety of people, you know, we were out there in the fundraising process is just sort of, you know, selling and, you know, kind of one meeting led to another and one contact led to another. And that's kind of how we connected with Sandy. And We're lucky enough to get him to sit down and uh, have lunch with us one day at 7th Avenue. And, you know, I think it boils down at that stage to kind of, you know, the food and the brand, but, you know, maybe more importantly, the team. So I think, you know, he uh, thought that the the culinary concept was interesting and the brand was interesting and we had a good story. Um, But I think that he, you know, believed in, you know, that we could actually execute what we were talking about executing.
0: I don't know Sandy at all, but I'm curious if, was there any nostalgia for him? Like, was he looking at you guys saying, like, I was I was that guy one day, and like, I, I can help these guys. You know, I'm not, sure. yeah, like, boom, I'm not Financial, like, boom, I like sure. this, and it's going to go.
1: Yeah, no, I'm not sure. I, I know that he, uh, you know, he's um, he's uh, definitely um, been, you know, involved in, in uh, a, a number of kind of concepts, you know, kind of like ours at our stage um, in the last few years, so I think that he's, you know, been looking to kind of help entrepreneurs in early stage, you know, kind of restaurant concepts kind of lift off. um.
0: So he he purchases a a 25% stake. Um, and I think people tend to think about <laughs> an equity. Like when someone, you know, when you get an investor like that, you're like cashing out and it's going in your pocket. Um, but and and maybe you were able to take some cash on the table. I have no idea. But most of the time at that stage, it's like you're you're shaking your head. Most of the time it's yeah. investing so you can grow. Of course, yeah. Um, but uh, you know, it, it comes with a whole bunch of like. I think people get excited about the money and the potential, even the potential to grow, even if it's mm-hmm. not going in your pocket. But it also brings a lot of accountability when you have an, when you have an investor on board. You know, at that point, maybe you said you've got a few angels, but it's your show, and now, not only financially but ethically, you have a responsibility to this person who's who's put his put his uh, his wallet behind you. What changes for you when 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 Sandy comes on board in that way?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think you know uh, more importantly than you know than the money, which is hugely important, allowed us to expand into the next couple of restaurants, but. Um, you know, you're bringing on a partner for us anyway. You know, a true kind of partner um, who has just such valuable experience and resources. So, along with the you know the accountability, you know, you're just getting a wealth of of resources. And for us, that was a total game changer. You know, especially for two guys that didn't have a lot of experience in the restaurant industry um, to bring on someone who has you know. crazy track record like sandy does of building a national chain that was huge and then yes along with that a lot of accountability so you know we had to get kind of pretty buttoned up pretty quickly and um you know a lot more you know along the way a lot more sort of financial transparency and um you know i had to button up operations he kind of brought along one of his top ops people who is working with us as our director of operations and um, so that's been very helpful, but yeah, along with, you know, along with, the the resources and, the capital comes, you know, definitely more accountability, which is different than, very different than when you're out there on the streets, two guys, early stage, you know, kind of no one to report to and that kind of thing.
0: I th- so I think that's really amazing that like Sandy comes with a team, like, were you expecting that? Was that part of the deal? Did you know that he was going to be bringing his guys in to help you?
1: Uh, No, wasn't part of the team, but I think he, you know, wasn't part of the plan. Rather, he I think he recognized pretty quickly that, you know, we were we had a great concept, we were driven entrepreneurs, but we also, you know, didn't have a team in place to do what we needed to do and expand the concept. So, you know, it was a kind of natural decision that we all made in sort of, you know, bringing on a few people that he has used in his, you know, at Ruby's and elsewhere.
0: And and you kind of as you you change the concept a little bit as you open up additional locations. Can you talk about that process and how you arrive, how you determine like okay, we need to. I found this very interesting. These are all these iterations. Yeah, and, and, and you're getting to yeah, exactly. you know, to where you to where you want to be. And it seems like each one's successful, and you're still changing, which is kind of fascinating.
1: Yeah, no, I guess we've taken sort of like almost a technology approach there, and just sort of you know continuing to sort of iterate the concept. And um, so we you know we were really kind of bootstrapping until that point when we, you know, did our first really serious round with serious investors. And so at that point, you know, it allowed us with the, you know, the right strategic investors and Sandy. So at that point we thought, okay, let's take a step back with Sandy and think about what we really want to do here now that we have a little bit of breathing room, right? And how can we leverage what we've done so far and how can we leverage, you know, our, you know, strategic investors experience and sort of totally reworked the, the concept. I mean the core of a lot of the you know, the, the, the brand and the food is is still there, but really evolved it into this kind of hybrid of fast casual and casual dining, which is why I made that distinction earlier. <laughs> um, and so, you know, we uh, we sort of looked at, you know, what do we want to do from a, you know, service and customer experience perspective and um, you know what are people? What are the? How how are people wanting to eat these days? And um, and kind of landed at this you know this kind of quick version of casual dining, quick casual vibrant you know environment, bourbon and tequila bar, um, open kitchen, um, very quick ticket times, value in in a lower price points, but you know in a full service setting. So it was um you know it was a it was a good process to go through you know when we had the opportunity to kind of take a step back and look at what we actually wanted to scale
0: and so this is this is the future I think I read that you're you're, you're, you're looking to open two restaurants a year for the foreseeable future is this is this the, the, the third location this is the future of Mexico
1: yeah so the, the 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 last two the the restaurant on 40th and the restaurant we um, opened just recently well about a year ago now on Fifth Avenue they're both the same model and the one that we'll expand with.
0: Got it. And I feel like I daren't speak its name, but a popular chain recently got knocked down a few pegs in a, a bit of a health department-type scandal. Yes. Did, did you, I mean, does that send shivers down your spine? I have to imagine it does. But does that send shivers down your spine? And why well, am I answering my own questions? And, uh, <laughs> and did, did, did you see any positive or negative? Like, I imagine maybe some people felt like they should just sort of subconsciously stay away, but others might have been like, well, I'm going to go to something that isn't tarnished.
1: Right 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 um you know we we uh, so it didn't send shivers down my spine we're, we're constantly focused on food safety and food quality and that sort of thing um and we're much smaller than some of these larger mexican right. chains are so it's easier for us to manage at this point um and You know we really didn't see it's funny it's i i've gotten texts from friends across the country over the last like several months saying oh man you guys must be your business is probably exploding or dying based on how you view it uh you know and and, uh it's not i mean it hasn't really affected us. no i mean we're also you know what we're doing now is is a it's a um it's food that is inspired by southern american barbecue and mexican but it's Um, blended up in in a really different way. And we're doing a lot of kind of healthy grains and greens and locally sourced items and a lot of salads. It's quite different than your typical, you know, Mexican fast casual or, you know, full service restaurant. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities, talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. This is Smart People Should Build Things, the Venture for America podcast.
0: Well, we're talking Thomas Kelly here, and Thomas is uh, I, I love the fact that he's a bootstrapper. Anyone who listens to this show knows that I that I uh, that I'm an avowed bootstrapper. Um, <clears throat> and he started as a bootstrapper and ultimately um, you know grew his business Mexico until um, until he um, needed to take on capital because that's the nature of a lot of restaurants. Um, but, you know, I always think about ways to, to, to limit the amount of money that I'm spending as a bootstrapper. And, um, you know, if you need a website, you can, you can pay someone an awful lot of money or you can just do it yourself. And if you can do it yourself, you can do it with Wix.com. No matter what business you're in, you can get your site live today. It's simple to customize. If you don't don't know how to code, it really doesn't matter. Um, There's no coding coding needed. Um, Millions of entrepreneurs have created their own professional websites using Wix.com, and the results are stunning. Wix gives you access to hundreds of customizable templates and easy drag-and-drop tools. You can get up and running today. You can go to Wix.com and sign up for an entirely free account account today. No credit card required. Go to Wix.com today. Um, the first
1: it, website we built for Mexico was on Wix. Beautiful. Yeah.
0: Oh, there you go. I, w- <laughs> I wish I would have done that before. I would have I done the lead in with that. Hey, I heard that you built your. Um, so, and so that well, that's a good, it, it, it's actually a nice lead in to. I downloaded your app the other day. Um, you know, we're talking about technology now. I noticed that you're powered by by our friends from Chow Now. Chris Webb, was you know, the founder of Chow Now, was on the podcast. Right. Um, and um, I'm curious like, like the, about the role of, of technology in food and food and this you know online making online ordering and ordering ahead easier. What kind of impact has that had on, on is it significant to Mexico?
1: You know, we're still trying to kind of wrap our heads around it, to be honest. Uh, it's, it's certainly significant. Um, and we've worked with a you know, variety of uh, technology partners in, um, in uh, the kind of delivery and uh, takeout. Pieces of our business, um, catering as well, um, and so it, it's definitely significant. Um, we're, you know, we're still, to be totally frank, we're still sort of trying to kind of wade through our approach and you know all the kind of options out there.
0: So, you know, at this point, you're. I mean, you mentioned two hundred employees. Is that where, is that where you're on? No, we're we're around a hundred. About hundred employees. Yeah. Okay. Um, you know, six million dollars in, in sales. Accord. Again, I'm going back to this great Times article. They really helped me. I don't know if sure. that's if that's accurate or not. We're seeing a bit of a, a head shake there. Um, <clears throat> but I'm curious, like, where, you know, as as this thing is growing, yeah. You know, what are your like? Where do you where do you focus your energies now?
1: Yeah. So great question. I mean, a lot of places, but we I mean, currently we're really uh, focused on, you know, the right real estate decisions and thinking about, um, you know, what's the right next move for Mexico in terms of the market. And we're starting to look at markets outside of New York City, which is exciting. And uh, New York City has gotten incredibly, you know, challenging from a real estate perspective and uh, from a lot of, it's a tough competitive landscape and um, it's very expensive and whatnot. yeah, we're starting to look at markets outside of New York City. So that's a huge focus. Uh, we're, you know, always focused on culture and just always focused on, you know, operations.
0: So that was actually my, my next question was, um, you're, you're, you're a Minneapolis native. Yes. Uh, so I, I grew up just just north of Minneapolis, uh, about eight hours north, just over the border in Winnipeg, Canada. Great. Um uh, so I've got a, an affinity for those uh, who grew up in the uh, in the prairie in the heartland. Um, I imagine like there's yeah, a lot less competition in in a, in a Minneapolis than there would be in New York, as you sure. as you said. Um, how do you determine like like is there is there once you're outside of New York? Right. Does it does it matter how far away you are? Can you go New York Minneapolis? Or do you have to go New York? Philly or Washington or something like Washington, D.C. or something like that.
1: Yeah, so we're thinking New York kind of Philly is probably the right type <laughs> okay. of step versus uh, New York, yeah. Philadelphia. You know, we're very, we're all, um, you know, very involved in the the day-to-day of the restaurant still. Um, everyone from, you know, from uh, Sandy to myself to our director of ops and uh, the entire team is, 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 you know, regularly at the restaurants. And so at this point, you know, we want to, Operate where we can, you know, in, in markets that we can visit every day or every week. So unfortunately, because I would love to have a Mexican in Minneapolis, <laughs> I'm not sure that's it's the a next couple step. Years,
0: you know, Just just sort of work slowly in that direction, and, and exactly uh,
1: that's the goal.
0: <laughs> yes, <laughs> uh, that would be, know, be quite a quite a feather in your cap to get to the point where you're where you're, you know, you're. You've worked halfway across the country, and you're back yeah, in back in your hometown, and they welcome to you like a uh, like yeah, a conquering hero. <laughs> That's great. So let me give you the last word here. I mean, just just tell us, um, you know, tell us where all the locations are. How people can find you online. I'm sure you're Instagramming your your uh, your delicious uh, um, meals and stuff like that. So give we us are. all the give us all the information. That way, people can check out Mexico.
1: Yeah. No. Absolutely. So everything's on Mexicu.com. Easy to find, and uh, that lists all our locations. Uh, where our Twitter and Instagram handles are at Mexico. Um Also easy. But uh, we are on 7th Avenue between 29th and 30th is our quick serve. And our two uh, kitchen and bar full-service restaurants are on 40th between Broadway and 6th. And 5th Avenue between 26th and 27th.
0: And maybe someday in Philadelphia. And and, and ultimately blanketing all the way to to Minneapolis and beyond. One step Uh, at a time, but hopefully. (laughs) Thomas, thanks so much for, for being here. It's been really interesting. Thanks for having me.